Hello, sweethearts. Thanks for joining me today on Love Letters 2, the daily podcast dedicated to wonderful and unexpected things. In today's episode, it's our last of famous firsts and first times for January, and we have a love letter to Jimmy Stewart and Marlena Dietrich. Both are legendary Hollywood icons, but they were also World War II heroes. They showed bravery in the face of danger, and as is true with all who served in World War II, we owe them a great debt of gratitude. I'm Alicia Mintz, and I invite you to join me today for this love letter to Jimmy Stewart and Marlena Dietrich, coming to you right after a brief word from our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Jimmy Stewart and Marlena Dietrich, many in Hollywood bravely served during World War II, but you both had significant firsts for your heroic efforts during the war. This love letter is in honor of your service. Dear Jimmy Stewart, you were the first movie star to enlist in World War II. Unlike many of the other stars that served in the war, you were already famous and had even won an Academy Award when you signed up to fight for your country. Many other famous stars followed you, but you were the first in line. Only months after winning the Best Actor Oscar for Philadelphia's story in 1941, you left Hollywood and joined the U.S. Army. When you asked why you would give up a Hollywood movie career, you said, This country's conscience is bigger than all the studios in Hollywood put together and the time will come when we'll have to fight. While you were off in the war, your Academy Award was proudly displayed in your father's hardware store in Pennsylvania. Your father was a World War I veteran, and both of your grandfathers were Civil War veterans, so military service was a family tradition. But you continued to prove your patriotism and bravery by insisting on being put in combat, not just used in promotional tools for the military. You were an accomplished private pilot already and became a U.S. Army Air Force aviator after enlisting. As a popular Hollywood icon, the Army felt you could be very useful in their recruiting films and attending rallies to build morale and support. And of course, you were effective in these assignments, but you were not satisfied with this role. You wanted to fly combat missions in Europe. By 1944, you were frustrated 
and didn't want the war to pass by without doing something you felt was a true contribution to defeating the Nazis. So you asked your commanding officer to transfer you to a unit that was deploying to Europe. Although your superiors did not like the idea, they eventually granted your request, albeit reluctantly. With the rank of Captain Stewart, you were sent to England. You spent 18 months flying B-24 Liberator bombers over Germany. Even once you were in Europe, the Army felt it was better to keep you from flying over enemy territory as you would be a valuable prisoner if captured and it would be a huge hit to the American public if you were killed in combat. But you, Jimmy, were determined not to sit on the sidelines. You were determined to lead by example and assigned yourself to every combat mission you could. By the end of the war, you were a highly respected and decorated pilot. In fact, you won several awards for your service, including the Air Medal and the French Croix de Guerre. You reached the highest military rank of anyone in Hollywood. Sadly, like so many who served with you, you paid a high personal price to serve your country and fight for our freedom. You were diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder after your service. It was referred to as flack happy back then. When you returned to Hollywood in August 1945, everyone was shocked at your appearance as you had lost so much weight and looked sickly. You were unable to sleep and suffered from nightmares of planes exploding and men falling through the air screaming. This is completely understandable as in one mission alone, your unit lost 13 planes and 130 men. This was devastating to you. But in 1946, you agreed to play the role of George Bailey in the beloved It's a Wonderful Life. Many of your fellow actors and those in the crew began to realize during filming that some of the most disturbing scenes of George Bailey struggling and collapsing in front of his family may not have been acting for you. As much as was possible, the making of It's a Wonderful Life was a therapeutic experience for you. It is, of course, one of the most successful and loved movies of all time. Although your acting career was back in full swing, your dedication and service to the military didn't end after the war. You returned to the United States and became one of the 12 founders of the Air Force Association in October 1945. You remained an active duty military officer even after you returned to filmmaking. In July 1959, you were promoted to Brigadier General, which made you the highest ranking actor in the history of the U.S. military. Most people don't realize that you actually participated in active service during the Vietnam War also. In total, you spent 27 years in official military service, also making movies during most of those years. In 1968, you were forced to retire when you met the military's mandatory retirement age of 60. You were awarded the United States Air Force Distinguished Service Medal when you retired. In 1985, you were awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom, the highest civilian honor in the United States. After a long life, well-lived, you died in 1997 at the age of 89. You were buried with full military honors and laid to rest as the hero you were during your life. Let's take a little bit of a 
Look at the other side of this love letter. Dear Marlena Dietrich, you were born in Germany in 1901, but migrated to the United States in the early 1930s and became one of Hollywood's biggest stars. As early as 1933, the Nazi regime was trying to persuade you to return to your native Germany to serve as the pretty face of the Nazi party. It was rumored that Hitler himself was a fan of yours. You repeatedly refused to help the Nazis in any way and took a strong and vocal stance against them. When they were unable to lure you back, you were branded a traitor by the Third Reich. By 1937, you were the highest paid star in Hollywood. You had already won an Academy Award by the time you became a U.S. citizen in 1939, making it clear that you were committed to your new country and publicly renounced your German citizenship. In British wartime radio broadcasts that were heard in Germany, you brazenly told your former countrymen, Hitler is an idiot. You partnered with director Billy Wilder in the late 30s to create a fund to help Jews escape from Germany. In 1941, when the United States entered World War II, you did whatever you could to help the effort. You were the first public figure to sell war bonds, and by the end of the war, you had sold more than any other star. War bonds were not your only contribution, though. Marlena, you were responsible for weakening Nazi troop morale, an extremely valuable role. You worked with the U.S. Office of Strategic Services, known as the OSS, predecessor to the CIA, to record anti-Nazi albums which would be broadcast to weaken the morale of Nazi troops. The U.S. Strategic Bombing Survey said that they discovered that these programs were just as devastating to German morale as an air raid. The USO website says that as these broadcasts continued, more and more Germans and Italians began to doubt Nazi and fascist propaganda, and despite Nazi efforts to outlaw the albums, Dietrich's Lil Marlene song was a hit among Nazi troops. You also toured America, North Africa, and Europe extensively, performing for troops, sometimes even putting yourself in harm's way. You suffered illnesses, slept in tents, and got frostbite during these tours, but Marlena, you never faltered. Throughout the war, you put on more than 500 performances, many on the front lines. When asked why you risked your life to support American soldiers, you responded, out of decency. You opened your own home for French and German exiles and provided financial assistance to many others and helped them apply for U.S. citizenship. In 1947, you received the U.S. Medal of Freedom for your extraordinary record entertaining troops overseas during the war. You would later call this the proudest moment of your life. You also received similar awards from Belgium, France, and Israel. Many years later, in 1965, you visited Israel and performed for German expatriates, many of whom were Holocaust survivors. You touchingly asked the audience for permission to sing to them in German, knowing that it may be too emotional for them. The audience agreed, and it was a very moving experience for all. Israel awarded you with the Israeli Medallion of Valor for your humanitarian work and activism on behalf of the Jewish people. You were the first woman and the first German to ever receive this honor. 
You lived a long life and died in Paris in 1992 at the age of 90. Your funeral was attended by over 1,500 mourners inside the church and crowds of thousands more outside. Your medals were displayed at the foot of your coffin in military style. The priest that performed your funeral said of you, Everyone knew her life as an artist of film and song, and everyone knew her tough stands. She lived like a soldier and would like to be buried like a soldier. As President Harry S. Truman said in an address to the armed forces in 1945, our debt to the heroic men and valiant women in the service of our country can never be repaid. They have earned our undying gratitude. Here's to you, Jimmy Stewart and Marlena Dietrich. No sunshine patriots you are. You're not only Hollywood icons, but you both bravely answered the call of service when freedom was threatened. For your bravery, hard work, and dedication, this is your love letter, and we say thank you. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to this episode of Love Letters 2, the last in our very first times for the month of January. We'll be back tomorrow with a whole brand new theme coming up for February. I think you're going to like it. And until we meet again, darlings, stay in love. Thanks for listening to Love Letters 2, a Hemlock Creatives production. Feel like showing some love to Love Letters 2? We'd love it if you tell a friend or leave us a kind review or even come and visit us on social media. You can find us at Instagram or Facebook at Love Letters 2 Podcast. You can also reach out and email us at loveletters2podcast at gmail.com or visit our website at loveletters2podcast.com. Until we meet again in the next episode, darlings. Stay in love.